So we're gonna we're gonna change uh, change gears here, switch gears here for just a moment, or in just a moment. What I'd like to do is spend let's just spend a second to um, let's just spend a second to be quiet before the Lord and to center our hearts, to center our minds. Heavenly Father, there, there is so much that we do walk in with on a morning. There is so much that we could walk in with. Uh, the weight of the responsibilities that we have, uh, the stress of our family situations, just the busyness and chaos and hectic nature of our calendars. And we kind of screech into the parking lot here and are just looking for a little bit of relief. Lord, I pray that you would help us to embrace embrace a, a slower pace this morning. That you would put us at rest where we're sitting that our bodies would be at rest, our minds would be at rest, our spirits would be at rest, Lord. Not because our uh, circumstances have changed too much in the last 30 seconds, Lord, but because your spirit is ministering to us and is bringing rest to us in the midst of the chaos of our lives. pray, Father, that you would bless the proclamation and the hearing of your word this morning, and that in the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we would be moved to repentance, holiness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we've uh, been in a series in um, the book of 1 Samuel, and it's going to span into 2 Samuel, of course, because it's been a, a series in the life of King David. Uh, king David being the second king of Israel, one of the more famous or infamous uh, characters in the Old Testament, certainly. Uh, but last week we talked about how uh, David's, the story of David is wrapped up also in the story of Saul. And how it's really difficult to talk about David's life without talking about his relationship with Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And last week we talked about how like the, that, that Saul, Saul's heart got all twisted and got all screwed up, right? Because he, he took an attitude or a posture of comparison against David. And when he began to compare himself against David, um, anger set in and jealousy set in. And that anger and that jealousy led to really his, his destruction. It began that long downward spiral of, um, 
into really chaos in Saul's life. And he became obsessed, Saul became obsessed with destroying David. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, Saul's obsession to destroy David this morning. I want to show you just a few examples of what Saul like tried to do, what he was aiming to do in the destruction of David's life. Um, just to become, or just to give you a few um, references here, from the passage that we read last week, Psalm chapter 18, uh, verses 10 and 11, is the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul, and he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Watch this. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he took that spear and he hurled it at David, saying to himself, I will pin David against the wall. But David eluded him. We go over, like, wow, that's, that escalated fairly quickly, right? Like, geez, Saul, I, I hope that was a one-and-done type of situation. Well, it wasn't. Uh, in chapter 19, 1 Samuel chapter 19, um, uh, David is warned by Saul's own son, Jonathan. Hey, I want you to know, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard. Look out, right? This is coming. And, and then it did come. Uh, a couple verses later, verses ten, or verse, uh, chapter 19, uh, starting at verse 10, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear again, but David eluded Saul. And that night, David made an escape. He, he ran away, essentially. Well, that wasn't the last time that we see any allusion to Saul's desire to absolutely destroy David, to get him out of the picture completely. And he even lashed out, Saul then lashed out at his son Jonathan, who was loyal to David, showing his heart towards David once again. Uh, chapter 20, verse 30, Saul's anger flared up at his son Jonathan. He said to, the, said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with David, the son of Jesse, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother who bore you? Man, he just he went hard at him, right? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you or your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him for me, to me, for he must die. Saul was on this all-out assault to find David and to ensure that David was destroyed. And so you know, just by like Saul's obsession and the fact that David's story goes on, that that there was this build-up to this really epic showdown, right? You know that at some point, David and Saul are going to have this epic showdown, maybe this big battle, maybe this, like, you know, gladiator-type moment in the movie where the two main warriors are fighting against each other and the best man should win. Well, that epic showdown does end up coming. 
David and Saul finally are together and they're alone. And what exactly happens in that moment? You know, flip in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 24. David had been on the run from Saul and had been in the company of a handful of warriors that were loyal to David, right? And in 1 Samuel chapter 24, we're going to look start at verse 3, David and his mighty men were hiding in the very back of a cave, deep within the cave. And Saul, who had been traveling the countryside looking for David, um, he had to go to the bathroom. Classic story, right? He's like, oh, there's a cave. I'll just go into the bat. I'll just go into the cave and relieve myself. So 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 3, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. And David and his men were far back in the cave. This is the moment, right? This is the moment that David has been waiting for. Then the men said, David's men said to him, This is the day the Lord spoke of, when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with, for you to deal with him as you wish. Then David crept up, unnoticed, to Saul. And what does it says he do? He cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. See, the men around David encouraged him in this moment to see the opportunity that David has as the opportunity to exact the revenge that he had probably long dreamed of and long waited for. It's like God served up Saul to David on a silver platter. Literally catching the guy, what? With his pants down. <laughs> right? No greater opportunity to get revenge on Saul than when he's in a cave and he doesn't know that David is there. So David crept up unnoticed, cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Verse 5. This is a really interesting, it's really interesting. But afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off the corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went away. Here's, um, it's not really the main point of the, of the uh, message this morning, but it is, I think, an aside that we can uh, certainly find application to in our own lives, is that um, revenge... Revenge that, is in our, revenge that is in our hands or revenge, the opportunity for revenge that is right at our f- 
fingertips. Revenge is never the plan of God. Revenge in your hands is never the plan of God, no matter how perfect the opportunity is. This person has hurt me. This person has caused pain. This person has actively sought to destroy me time and time and time again. I now have this epic moment where I can exact revenge, and it's like God has served it up on a silver platter. God is not inspiring you to get revenge on the person that has hurt you or that has harmed you. God's plan is never revenge at your hands. God has a plan for judgment and vengeance, and he's not asking you to execute his plan in your timing. The question then becomes, the main question for me as I read these passages, and I'm likely you, is why? Why didn't David take the opportunity to destroy Saul when he had the chance? He had obviously known that Saul, if given the opportunity, would kill him. He had tried multiple times. He had told his own son, I am going to kill David. I am going to kill David. He's throwing a spear at him several times. He's chasing him around the countryside. There is no question at all that Saul is trying to kill David. So why would not David take the opportunity to kill Saul before he could be killed? And the answer really is in what um, David's response is to Saul, or his attitude is to Saul. Because David chose, instead of taking revenge and taking the opportunity to kill Saul, David chose to honor Saul instead. Chose to honor him. This is a really... This is a really difficult subject this morning. What does it take to honor someone who has acted so dishonorably towards you? Because the reality is, is that, that you, have, you have experienced a lot of hurt in your life. You have had people, you have had people say things to you. You have had people act in ways to you. You have had people maybe, maybe not act in ways that they should have towards you, and it has caused a tremendous amount of pain and trauma and hurt and anger and a, and a desire even for, for their downfall, their, their revenge, or my revenge, to see them fail, to see them, to, to see them like walk into the proverbial cave and get their like their head chopped off in a m- moment of revenge, right? We we've all been in these places where where people have done us significant harm and hurt and dishonor, and then the question then becomes: in the moment where we have an opportunity, maybe to get our revenge or respond in a way that is equal to the way that they have responded to us, what 
is the choice that we are going to make. We could take the choice of the men in the cave and we could take the revenge. We could take the opportunity to see our enemies downfall. Or we could take David's approach where he chose in that moment not to get revenge, but to honor Saul. Now, what possibly motivated David to honor someone who had acted so dishonorably? That's really what the question then becomes. What, what motivates us? What motivated David? And then, and then by extension, what can, then can motivate us to, to honor someone who acts so um, dishonorable towards us? I think... Um, what it was for David is, is that he was obviously feeling the pressure of Saul's pursuit on him. Feeling the pressure of, like, not probably wanting to die. And so it's not like David was probably feeling particularly warm and fuzzy towards Saul. Right? The reality is, is that David's choice to honor Saul had nothing to do with how he was feeling towards Saul. In fact, the honor that David gave to Saul was the polar opposite of his feelings for Saul. Because honor, listen, honoring someone is not a response of how we feel towards them. Honor is not a feeling. Honor is a choice. We make a choice. We make a choice to honor before we feel honorable towards them or honoring towards them. See, as, as human beings, especially as human beings that follow Jesus Christ, right? We, we, do not, we do not act according to our feelings or our emotions, right? We act according to our identities. So we talked about this oh, it was, it was well over a year ago when we, we did a series on forgiveness, right? And the, the, common, the common refrain with unforgiveness is that I don't, I, I don't feel forgiving towards them. So I can't forgive them until I feel like I am over it. And it's actually opposite, right? Is that, is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we act and move and live in life from, the, from the, the, the beginning point of our identity as forgiven people. We have been forgiven, therefore, we will forgive. Not, we feel like emotionally we're over it. So now that we're emotionally over it, we will let our identity or our actions follow our feelings. How many here know that your feelings are fickle? And they change. Right? And that if you trust your feelings, you're going to be chasing your tail. Right? 
And so if we act always only out of how we feel, we will never live into the identity that we have as forgiven, honor-giving people. And so, as those who follow Jesus, our choice must be to honor before we have the feelings of honor towards someone. And guess what? Feelings follow action, not the other way around. Oh, I will act when I feel like it. You will never feel like it. You will never feel like forgiving people that have hurt you. You will never feel like honoring people who have acted dishonorably towards you. You will not feel that way. You must act in accordance with the faith that God has given to you that when he says, honor others, that the feelings will follow an action that comes by faith, not the other way around. So how could David possibly get motivated in this moment? To honor a man who was literally trying to take his life. Well, he saw honor not as a feeling that he needed to manufacture in himself. Oh, i got to get good feelings about Saul, good feelings about Saul. But no, as a choice, no, I'm choosing today to honor Saul. That's my choice. David chose, look at verse 6 here. This is really interesting how David describes Saul. He said to his men, this is the day, or I'm sorry, where am I? He said to his men, verse 6, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. Now, get, get this in your brain, all right? We know because we read it in the we see the backstory of the text that God had removed his anointing from Saul as king, right? Saw that way back in the anointing of David himself. There's no indication from the text that David knew that. David had Really, no information whatsoever about the removal of God's anointing from Saul. All he knew is that God, through the prophet Samuel, had at one point anointed Saul as king and leader. And so David was operating completely under the assumption that Saul was the anointed man of God. This is who he is, this is his identity. This is, this is who God has made him to be. So listen, David then, in this moment of choice to honor Saul, David chose to honor Saul based on who he believed God saw him to be, even despite what the actual actions of Saul was. David was not willing to base his decision to honor Saul purely on Saul's action. David's choice to honor Saul was based on his belief that Saul was the anointed man of God. 
he separated Saul's actions from his identity. It was this act where David was like, I am going to see and choose to honor Saul based on who I believe God sees him to be. Because you know what? It's really easy to dishonor people if we think that God doesn't like them. Right? If we think that God is angry with them, and if we think that God is disappointed in them, and if we think that God is, is mad at them and should, should, and should punish them, and that, and that God doesn't want anything to do with them, or that, or that they're, they're horrible people, it becomes a really easy rationalization for us then to be like, you know what, they're not worthy of my honor. They're not, even, they're not worthy of my respect. They're not worthy of my kindness. They're not worthy of my, of my gentleness because I, I just, trust me, I just know, right? Based on their action and based on the, and we Christianize it, right? Based on their fruit, there's no fruit in their life. Yeah, your, most of your fruit's rotten too, okay? But, but what David said is like, hey, look, I see Saul. I'm choosing to see Saul the way that God sees Saul. Because remember, David didn't know that the anointing was pulled, so all David knows is this is the anointed man of God. This is the one who God has set up. This is the one who God has blessed. This is the one who has God's spirit. How can I, even in this moment of perfect opportunity of revenge, seek to take that and destroy the man of God? Like, listen, this is picture perfect. David saw Saul through God's eyes, not his own. And that was the basis of his choice to honor Saul, even in this moment. But it goes even further than that, right? Because there is this aspect of honor that, um, that, is, that is as much about not doing something as it is doing something. Okay? Honoring someone who has acted dishonorably Honoring someone who has done dishonorable things to us is actually the inaction of vengeance. Honor, honor is as much about what we don't do to that person as it is what we do to that person or how we act towards that person. How did David, in this moment, choose to honor Saul? Well, one of the things that he, the, one of the, the ways that he chose to honor Saul was by not cutting Saul's head off in the cave when he had the opportunity. Right? He, he forewent the opportunity that he had to destroy the person who was acting so dishonorably. He said, I in an act of honor towards the man, I refuse to act in such a way that would seem natural 
that would seem like a great opportunity, that would even maybe seem as though God had set it up, I'm going to refuse to act in the way that he deserves. See, honoring someone, honoring someone who has acted dishonorably towards us is about refusing to give them what they deserve. Because you have, you have built up a list in your mind of what the person who has hurt you deserves. And maybe if you were given the opportunity to serve them on a silver platter the exact thing that they deserve, you would, right? Maybe honor is as much about saying, here's all the things that you deserve for what you've done. We're going to take this plate. We're just going to set it over here. We're not going to give you any of that. You deserve it, right? But you're not getting any of it. And of course, this is inner monologue, not being like, hey, you know what you deserve? Just want to let you know I'm not going to give it to you, though, right? How... How in the world could David personally get to this place? Experiencing so much hurt. Experiencing so much, so much pain. Experiencing like the, 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 the obvious like emotional pain, mental pain, emotional anguish, physical anguish of run, literally running for your life. Being threatened to have your life taken from you. Well, David understood something. He understood that, that his job, that he had a job, and that God had a job, right? And that it would be, it would, we would do really well, you would do really well, I would do really well to understand that, hey, look, I have a job, and, and God has a job, right? And I'm, I, I can be really good at my job. I'm going to be very horrible at God's job. I'm going to be bad at this job over here. All right? He's going to be good at both of them because he's God, right? But I'm going to only be good at the job that I have. David understood that it was his job to honor and that it was God's job to give Saul everything that he deserved. That it was God's job to be, the, to be the purveyor and the passer out of vengeance and judgment for the dishonorable, hurtful, horrible, harmful things that Saul had done. David was like, that, that's not, I'm not, I am not going to step out of my lane. He understood that, that there was a lane that he was supposed to be in, and that lane was honoring people. Especially honoring those who have been anointed of the Lord. Right? And that if he was going to come over here and start being like the judge, jury, and executioner of what he thinks people deserve based on what they have done, then he's stepping way out of his lane. 
way out of his lane, way out of his job description, way out of his depth. Why, why is that a difficult reality for us? I don't know what it is for you, but I'll, I'll tell you why, in, in my experience, in my life, that that, like, just is like a wrench in my gears. It's why I can't do my job and just let God do his. Like, typically for me, it's because, like, when someone has done something dishonorable, or hurtful, or that produces pain in my life, and I make the choice to honor them by not acting through my inaction, just like David did, right? The inaction of him not cutting Saul's head off was an act of honor in that moment. But when I choose to not, when I choose to not act, when I've been hurt, or when I've been dishonored, I feel weak. Weakness. Well, I, I stand up for myself. I have rights. Right, like, what? No, no, you can't do that to me. And like, and the feeling of inaction is a horrible feeling of weakness and vulnerability. Right? We feel exposed because we feel like somehow us acting protects us as if we don't have the protector of the cosmos in our corner, right? And so we, we have to strike back because if we don't, then we're going to be seen as weak and we're going to be just run right over and we're going we're gonna to be treated unfairly and, and all the circumstances of our life are going to go poorly. Well, you know what? You're going to have good company with a guy named Jesus. who chose not to act when he could have called down 10,000 legions of angels. And what the word says that there was, there was no deceit found in his mouth when they hurled insults at him. Instead, he entrusted himself what? He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Jesus chose a position of inaction. Because he had a job, and the father had a job. When we choose no action as an expression of honor, we're entrusting the judgment that we would pronounce against the dishonorable to God. We're saying, I, I'm abdicating the throne of getting my own vengeance, and instead, Lord, I am entrusting that to you because you have promised to do that. David says that very same thing. Because what does he do? And even, t he, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm going to let David do his thing. But he even basically tells Saul, hey, look, man, I could have killed you. Let's just read it, just so you see. Verse 8 in 1 Samuel 24. Then David went out of the cave. Right? So Saul walks out. David's holding the corner of his robe. And David walks out behind him. 
Yo, bro, you forgot something. My lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Maybe a little side note here, right? You want to you wanna make sure that you're making a choice to honor? Why don't you change your posture towards the people that are, aimed at, that are hurting you? Change your posture. Right? Because what's the posture that we usually have towards the people that are hurting us? Like, right? Like, uh, where you're like this, right? Or, or we're doing something completely like way more passive, but it's usually passive aggressive. But why don't you change your posture? Does that mean change your physical posture? Well, maybe. Maybe. I mean, we could make the argument that a guy named Jesus did something really similar as well. That before all of his closest friends absolutely abandoned him, one of them betrayed him, and the other denied knowing him three times, that Jesus was on his knees in his underwear washing their dirty feet. Jesus certainly took a change of posture in a moment where he could have exacted revenge even there. Where he instead changed his posture to serve those who were hurting him the most, or would hurt him the most. But you can certainly change your posture towards the people that are hurting you. I know some of the people that have hurt me that I still have to be in relationship with. In times past, my posture towards them has been really like, I'm tolerating you, but I don't like you. And it's written all over my face, and it's written all over my words. It's written all over my demeanor. My, my posture towards them is aggressive. It's antagonistic, right? It's defensive. It's, it's vengeful. I'm snippy. I'm rude. I'm sarcastic, right? My posture is horrible towards them. Maybe if you're having a hard time honoring those who are hurting you the most and you're still in close relationship with them, you need to change your posture. David changed his physical posture. He said to Saul, why do you listen to men when they say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. Again, you see, David was choosing to see Saul through the eyes of the Lord. See, my father, look, this piece of your robe in my hand, I cut off the corner of your robe but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize, I'm not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. And in verse 12, we hear it. How is David able to be this strong, powerful, military, leader, godly king when he's refusing to act in the face of those that are hurting him? May the Lord, it says, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 12, may the Lord judge between you and me. 
and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. But my words will not touch you. But my posture will not attack you. My thoughts will be free from evil thoughts towards you. The Lord will avenge between you and I. The Lord will sort out what has happened. The Lord will decide. The Lord will put the things on the scale. The Lord will avenge. But my hands, my heart, my mind, my words, my body, my life, it will not be against you. Now listen, this does not mean that David was free from hurt and anguish and pain and questions to the Lord about like, Lord, why is this happening? Avenge me, Lord. In fact, David was actively in the midst of running from Saul, being like, hey, Lord, show up, please. Show up, please. Avenge my life, Lord. Strike down my enemies. He's trying to kill me. I need your help. I'm in desperation. So much so that he wrote two psalms, particularly about it. You know, all of the psalms, that big book in the middle of your Bible, right? Each written, kind of, most of them written by David. Psalm 57, right? Like, look. Psalm 57, David wrote in response to what was going on. What did he say in a moment like this? Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. My soul, it takes refuge in you. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Saul is chasing me, right? I cry out to God most high, to the God who fulfills his purpose for me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I lie among the ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharpest swords. But be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all of the earth. They spread a net for my feet, Lord. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O oh God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, the harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all of the earth. He writes this one. He writes also in Psalm 142. What did David do to his, with his pain? What did David do with his di desire to get revenge? What did, did David do with all that was built up in him? Instead of taking all that was built up in him, carrying it in a big bucket and then dumping it on Saul in that cave and slaughtering him, he took it all, he held on to it, and he was like, entrusted it to God, being like, Lord, I trust you with this pain. 
I trust you with this hurt. I trust you with this dishonor that's being done to me. I give it to you. He refused to give it to Saul. He refused to pour out his vengeance and anger on Saul. And listen, last point this morning, and then we'll close, is giving honor to people who have acted dishonorably towards you has a profound effect in their change. Profound. See, this is what happens when someone is expecting to get walloped by you Right? And you hug them instead. It breaks the hard crust of sin that has encapsulated their heart. And it, and it opens them to the grace of God that's being expressed through you to them. But just look at the way that Saul himself responds when David comes out and says, I could have done this, I chose not to, because you're the Lord's anointed. Psalm 24, or 1 Samuel 24, starting at verse 16. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he not let him go away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you have treated me today. I know, and he speaks prophetically, a message that maybe David had never even heard from anyone. I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. You know, no one had told David that yet. No one. We have no record of anyone telling David that yet. All we have is a record of Samuel being like, yeah, we're going to anoint you. And then David went off to his life. And now Saul, the man that's killing him, as a response to the honor that he has received from David, proclaims and prophesies David's kingship over Israel. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. And so David gave his oath to Saul. Saul's demeanor completely changed in the midst of David showing him honor. Now, of course, as it turns out, like it is with you and I, um, when, when we can have a change of heart, right? We can have a change of heart, even maybe when someone shows us honor. And and we must pursue, continue to pursue that change of heart for it to, for lack of a better term, stick. Right? We'll see later in later chapters that Saul, basically as soon as David left, was like, ah, no, I think I want to kill him again. Right? And he came right back around it. But in that moment, right, Saul, who was once a deeply spirit-filled man of God came to this moment of like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Who am I? <coughs> and honor has this incredible way to break through the hardened heart of those who are hurting you. 
so I'm gonna, I'm gonna close with this as the Lauren and Henry come back up. I want you to hear something. I know, so not, not because I'm a pastor, okay? And, and not because I've studied the word, like, no. I, want, I know, Cameron Linehart knows the difficulty, the, the deep, deep, deep personal difficulty of honoring people who have harmed us. I know the deep anguish and tension and pulling of uh, you have acted dishonorably towards me and I want, I want, like, mmm, mmm. And the pain that that causes and the hurt that that causes. I'm not speaking I'm not speaking from a place of inexperience, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from a place of, of, like, of deep personal conviction and wrestling with these truths in my own life and in my own relationships and my own heart, all right? I want you to hear that, that I understand fully the tension that may be in your life based on the people that you have and the things that have been done to you. I get it fully. But honor is a choice. We don't give honor because other people deserve it. Oh, they I will honor that person because they have deserved it. That's not the qualification for honor. Qualification for honor is not having deserved it well. Because in reality, none of us really deserve it. We give honor not because of them, but because of who we are. We give honor because we are honoring people. Not because they are deserving of honor. Honor is a choice that you make. It's a choice that you make. And no matter what they do or don't do, it does not change who you are. You are a child of God. You have a different identity. You, you, you act from a different place. You're part of a different family. And in this family, we give honor. We show honor. Honor is not given to those who deserve it. It's not what honor is at all. Honor is given by those who have chosen to give honor so as to give glory to God. May it be so in your life, in my life, in our life. Pray with me.
you know what? I'm going to do this. If you know this morning there is a person there are persons there are people who I am not honoring who I'm not forget honoring I'm not even respecting them I don't even like them I don't even love them but I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me this morning that my posture towards them needs to change, that my heart towards them needs to change, that my honor towards them needs to change. If you have a person and you're willing to stand this morning, let me extend my hands over you to pray for you. I'll pray for specifically for, for us who are who are wrestling with a person that we just feel like we can't break through and honor towards. Go ahead and stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, you see those who are standing now who, Lord, have suffered under the weight of dishonorable people, dishonorable actions, hurtful words, pain. Lord, and they are standing this morning saying, I I can't carry that anymore and I need it to change. Lord, you see their hearts You know their situations. You know those relationships, Father. And so, Lord, I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would fall upon them, Lord, and that grace would come upon them so that they may be empowered, they may have the courage, they may make the choice today, and then again tomorrow, and then again the next day, Lord. to forego revenge, to forego anger, to forego giving that person what they deserve, to changing their posture towards them and instead honoring them. Father, in the midst of the pain that's recognized and represented here, Lord, we pray, Father, for your healing. To heal, Lord, in only the way that you can heal. To break through the pain and the hardness, Lord, in only a way that you can. Lord, to go down to the depth of our hurt and to root it out, Lord, and to minister to it, Lord, and to heal it. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.